ride with me in my foul life. This episode of the Foul Life Podcast is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Glassing is an art. Patience. And then when it comes to waterfowling, well, duck hunters don't need glasses, really. I scout every day with glasses and sometimes a spotting scope. I use rangefinders to understand how far I'm off a fence line, a tree line, how far my furthest decoy is. Maybe I'm lazy. I don't step it off. I do step it off some, but I use rangefinders now. And they're all supplied by Vortex, a Wisconsin American-based company, Vortex Optics. Their casual line of clothing, their spotting scopes, their rangefinders, their binoculars, their innovation, their dedication to conservation and hunting. I've hunted with members of the Vortex family and employees. I've visited their headquarters. I've learned their culture and their quality is second to none. Never will you be in one of our Ford trucks and not see a pair of binoculars on the console, in the console, on the back seat, hanging from one of the headrests onto the passenger seat or the driver's seat. We're always ready. We look over, see a mallard pitching down. What is that? Oh, a goose just went down over there. Was that a turkey? We scout hard because we want to be prepared. There, nothing is ever going to replace the scout. Scout hard, learn how to scout, live that Vortex lifestyle. Thank you so much to Vortex Optics for being the official optic of the Foul Life TV, the Foul Life Podcast, Where the Pavement in Podcast, and don't forget to check out Vortex Scouting segments coming up on Season 15 of Benelli's The Foul Life exclusively on the Outdoor Channel beginning in late June, early July 2023 and running through late December after Christmas, the best time of the year, 2023, on the Outdoor Channel. Thank you, Vortex, and thank you all for supporting the brands that support The Foul Life. What up? Before we get into anything outdoors related, what do you think makes Rogan a good podcaster? Mm. You, you're a podcaster. You've been on many podcasts. Yeah. What What does he have that? And I know that he started a long time ago, which people don't understand how long right. how long it takes to get a a brand and a title to where he's for got sure. it. He's easily the most successful. Adam Carolla was for a long time. Yeah. Um, is he that well versed in so many different topics? Does he read up and do so many notes the night before that he sounds well versed? I understand the fight game stuff, yeah. but he brings on a lot of Just like r- random people. Random yeah. people, you know, like he learned how to hunt through you and Ranella and through John Dudley, and and he's learning that and he's passionate about it. Yeah, he could talk the talk on a lot of stuff. How how do you think he does it? Is he that educated? I I don't. I'm just trying uh, yeah. I mean, because I don't. You know, you'd think that he like. I don't think he like studies it he just gets in there and is like oh cool you know some of it maybe you know but i think he just is kind of one of those people that like is interested about a lot of stuff but i also think he's like a really good listener you know what i mean so he like listens to stuff he retains stuff and then he kind of talks about it could uh, you do a podcast in that format where one week you're talking about stock and elk in preseason and then all of a sudden you have to talk about um you have to you have to talk about the the tunnel they're building in Los Angeles and what, what Elon Musk wants to do with it. I mean, could right. you be that diverse? I mean, I guess I probably could if I wanted to, but it's just like, I'm not really that passionate about it, you know? So I probably wouldn't. Yeah. I think that's I, part of it is just like, yeah, like being into a lot of different stuff or being open to a lot of different stuff, you know? Um, I think that's what does it for him yeah. is that he's open to anything. Yeah. He listens, but he's also intellectually on point enough to be able to respond with confidence right and ask the right kind of questions and that's the secret is like yeah. he gets the answers he's looking for or what the audience might be engaged in or want to listen to because he's he's on point yeah definitely unless it's one of those ones where him and mike tyson just get high for three right. hours <laughs> <laughs> right but i think that's yeah i mean i don't know because it is such a mix of just different people different kinds of topics but there's not that many out there like that right so it's no. so like a very hard to replicate model so it's maybe it's just the longevity of doing it and you know being the right person for the right job kind of thing plus he's got the network you know he's right he's through ufc through his stand-up comedy tv career stuff like that i'm sure that he's run into a lot of different you know people we yeah. do look at who we yeah. run into oh yeah just in our circle you know for sure so it's got to be you know he's he finds interest in stuff that he runs into um and and is able to put together a 
a conversation could you go three four hours like that do you enjoy that format of that long no, can you listen to a whole personally. rogan podcast not me personally i don't know it's like but also i don't listen to a lot of podcasts so you know but i, I get it like if you're driving like it's a lot of people like commuting driving you know what i mean a lot of time in the car which i do spend but what do you listen to in the car i'll just nothing <laughs> no music nothing no i'll play music i'll just whatever what kind of music just depends a little bit of everything like what give me an example what'd you listen to on your way out here today uh i was on the phone most of the time so uh, i was on the phone the entire country way. music yeah a little bit of country mostly older country uh classic country uh alternative rock classic rock standard just do you whatever. ever go to concerts not very often every once in a while what's your summertime gig of if is is a date for you and mama when you can find a babysitter and i know that you don't get many of them you know you're a new dad so you know you guys are having the kids a lot but would it be a concert or would it be a, a four-wheeler ride would it be a ride in the a go up to tahoe what's uh, what's like the ultimate kind of getaway? i don't know we go to a lot of comedy shows really yeah where yeah. all wherever everywhere in we're, reno um yeah we're going to vegas next week for one i don't know we just go i don't know, we go to a lot of comedy shows um, is that because you like to laugh yeah i think so <laughs> do you think that stand-up comedy hits as hard on on the radio or on tv as it does in a live audience when you're actually no there? definitely not because like there's some that you see and you're like that was the best show i've ever seen and then you'll watch that same show on like netflix and it's good but it's not even close Nowhere to near. the same yeah isn't that weird how your body reacts yeah, your sure. mind reacts different yeah but like the you're, energy in the room yeah and you're like in it more you know what i mean like you catch like little cues and other things that like yeah there's just like or it might just be like situational or something like that where it's like funny because he's talking about you know in a live thing might be talking about something that's around here or wherever you're at you know yeah or like playing off the crowd a little bit more too that's interesting to me so you your whole vegas trip is wrapped around a comedy show yeah is it a big comedian or is it just like a little casino comedy show uh i mean he's pretty big now i don't know nate bergazzi we're gonna oh god he's got big he's like one of the biggest now yeah where's he playing down there uh the win i think yeah the win encore i saw he was just at red rocks my buddies went and saw him at red rocks yeah. i believe yeah he's blowing up but he's like he's really good live we've seen him a couple times he's so funny is he dirty no not at he's all. not right no but it's like you're like it's weird like the guys that are like that they probably they almost have like a next level of like humor yeah you know, like i mean not like jerry i thought jerry seinfeld's pretty funny but like neighbor gatsy probably does it better than anyone i think I need to get into him more. I'm a huge, and he's pretty dirty. I love Bill Burr. Oh, yeah. Bill, Bill Burr makes funny. me laugh. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about Andrew Schwartz? Yeah. He's he's, he's pretty dirty. He's yeah. like, We were going to go see, he's coming to Reno uh, this this weekend, I think. Oh, really? Um, June, June the first weekend in June. Yeah. So is that next this weekend? Week, next weekend. Oh, I'm gone. Next weekend. Well, I'm not gone. Are you going? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure, actually. I think I had something else. I can't remember. We might have had something else planned, but... Where, at Grand Sierra? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Grand Sierra. That's interesting to me that you're into comedy because you... Put that mic a little closer to you, please, because I don't know no. if our system... Um, like you're not a real voice when you're written now look now i don't get to hang out with you a lot of times when you're letting loose i'm sure you let loose sometimes oh, but yeah. are you a comedian when when you get around your friends are you that smart oh, for ass? sure yeah I'm you like are the funny guy yeah but it's just weird like i mean sometimes it, i don't know i don't like to turn it on to a level like i'm more of like a dry sense of humor for sure do you situational humor what do you what are your feelings on offensive humor i saw an andrew short an andrew uh schwartz was that the name i just used yeah. and he did some racial stuff that had and there was all races in the crowd yeah and um my assistant just sent me the clip like last week and it's literally like how do you get away with this stuff but right. i mean it's his timing is impeccable and he's making them roll they're laughing their asses off yeah but it's like those comedians can do it because it's like this unwritten law and comedy that racism and sexism and all of that stuff doesn't apply 
when you're on the microphone. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then that's the kind of the, I think the sad thing like right now is a lot of that's changing where people will do a comedy set and then they'll just get blasted, you know, like Dave Chappelle's last thing. And it was just like, people are marching and wanting him kicked off of Netflix. It's like, there's no, could you imagine when Eddie Murphy raw came out? I was 12 or 10 when delirious came out. I was younger than that. I was like seven when delirious came out and then raw, I was like 10 or 12. Yeah. Do you remember the stuff he did about sexuality and lifestyle and I don't homosexuality and race and um, fat people and oh yeah like he would have been canceled in ten, 10 seconds seconds yeah. and it was genius comedy <laughs> right his, his impressions um, Aunt Bunny rolling down the stairs Elvis Mr T hey boy I mean like he was spot on <laughs> and like I just don't think that he took one bit of insult for his comedy it was it was literally coined as being genius yeah and some of the biggest the best comedy stand-up comedy hours of ever him and they say it's him and richard pryor a lot of the times besides like Chappelle now is going down as one of the greatest yeah yeah it's funny man like the stuff that you can could get away with and now i mean then you see com- comics now trying to get, like get back into that of like yeah, i don't care i'm just gonna say what i'm gonna say and it's gonna be either funny or not yeah but i don't know i i like the ones that push it push the i really do yeah i really do like uh Cause like I, you're sitting there you're laughing you're like i shouldn't be laughing at this but it's so funny <laughs> it's just so funny and it's like why not like right. I mean, do you remember when gilbert Gottfried got fired from uh aflac because he told the joke about the tsunami that took out thailand or oh, was yeah, it thailand yeah. yeah uh no was it thailand no philippines it was, it was philippines maybe or Malay- yeah Ma- yeah I malaysia remember, yeah i remember which one yeah do you remember he like he, he had been with them for like 15 20 years and then all of a sudden they just canned him right and they he told a joke yeah and like you know like they're well it's too soon too soon you know some of my favorite comedy is some of the roasts oh yeah some of the jokes like, do you enjoy watching roasts oh yeah well i mean they get into people and it's just like damn it it's and, funny and who's ever the writers you know like if shat goes up and roasts somebody you know he's not writing those right, jokes right. like it's got to be fun to write those jokes and then see him come into fruition like keenan ivory wayans would write part of stand-up of delirious and raw for freddie murphy yeah i mean could you imagine saying you wrote some of the some of the greatest comedy i i would think that some most of the comics today like bill burr i bet you he writes all of his stuff alone yeah i would think so i I bet you he does but eddie murphy was such a major movie star that he had all of this team around him that were this team of writers kind of like the saturday night live guys you know like i find it interesting that you like comedy what do you i'm a huge comedy fan and i i'm i'm caught i'm podcasting with a comic next week in nashville have you heard of dusty slay oh yeah Yep. So I'm, I'm podcasting with Dusty Slay next week. Yeah, that guy's week. pretty funny. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we're having a good time. We're yeah. all having a good time. He's funny. And yeah, he's, he's just good. he just filmed his special in Knoxville two nights. Oh, cool. Um, sold out. And he just did a big thing for Kid Rock at the Ryman the other night in Nashville. But his comedy, I've seen him live. And you're like, God, this guy is like, his timing's impeccable. But he's he, he just drops stuff on you that that is real you know yeah but his timing is there what do you break down comedy or are you just there either they make you laugh or you're not or are you or do you study it uh, a little bit of both you study it some yeah yeah i mean i like like a good like we're a good tie-ins and you know just stuff that like the like i like the like pause laughter where it's just like something you know that you're like kind of think about in a in a way where it just like hits you you know those are the best <laughs> I didn't know this about you. I find it. I don't think it's fascinating, but I yeah. think it's it's very interesting that that you are who you are, how I know you, and that you're a huge comedy buff. Like I, I'm a huge like. Do you like comedy movies, or are you just mainly stand up? Uh, yeah, I like comedy movies. What would you say is the number one of all time? And you're younger than me. You're not even forty yet, right? No, not forty yet. Getting close though. What, what do you think's the best movie of all time? Oh, and then I'll tell you mine. Man, I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, like my go-to for a long time was always Happy Gilmore. I thought, let's do that. I mean, that movie was like the one movie that I would watch over and over and I pretty much had, that's like the only movie I think of that I could add memorized. It's funny that you say that because we went on a trip to spring training in an excursion and the excursion had this TVs in the back of the seats. My brother's does. Yeah. And I'm in the front seat passenger 
and we're not even wa- I'm not even watching it and I'm rolling. All you got to do is listen to the, the, the audio. Oh yeah. The audio of happy Gilmore is genius. Yeah. Uh, Sandler put that together. Like it was freaking (laughs) hilarious. That's a great, my, my go-to of beginning to end, like there's all the, you know, there's the Caddyshacks and the Fletches and the vacations and three amigos. There's a lot of good classic comedy, but I really think that wedding crashers from point a to the very end, I never, and I watch it at least four to five times a year and I never stop laughing. That scene when Vince Vaughn is putting his plate together at breakfast and Owen Wilson's sitting there and he's like putting all the syrup on everything, you know, like I'm just rolling. And then, and then Owen Wilson leaves the table and he sits down with the priest and he kisses him and he's like, good talk fought. Like, like that, that movie is freaking hilarious from beginning to end. That's my, like, I think, I think old school's funny. I think step brothers is real funny. But Wedding Crashers has got a hold on me as the funniest of all time. Yeah, Wedding Crashers is a good one. I actually like uh, Talladega Nights too. Is like uh, just a lot of good quick hitters. Quick hitters. Yeah. See a lot of a lot of me always said that. Good quote. A lot of times I would always say that Will is like the leading actor would always overact the underwear scenes, the running around like you're on fire. Yeah. The like when he's in a supporting role like Wedding Crashers yeah. or Dodgeball and Dodgeball is another pretty freaking funny movie. Do you see they just signed on Vince Vaughn to do part two? Ben Stiller and oh, Vince really? Vaughn are going to do part two. Oh, yeah, nice. I heard that. So that's that's pretty interesting that you're a you're a comedy guy because I am too. And a lot of times I wish I could do comedy. It's so hard though. Oh yeah. And the other thing about comedy is you've always heard that they're real dark people. There's been a lot of suicides. Yeah. It's a real hard lifestyle. For sure. Like you're you're like letting all this emotion out in front of these strangers, get, wanting to get them to laugh. And then you go back to this like dark hotel room and you drink and you get, you know, like I've heard a lot of war stories about being a stand up comic, kind of like yeah. being a professional wrestler, I guess. Did you, were you into professional wrestling? No, not really. You never got into WWE? I mean, like when I was four years old, probably just because my uncle really was like into it, he you was. know, like would take us. But yeah, I guess like as a little kid, but no, I think I, I kind of grew out of it pretty quick. So how have things changed with becoming a father of two? Um, are you seeing that you're having to change your travel schedule and limit it more? Or how is it all working out? Because you're a guide in Montana. You go to New Zealand. You hunt for media. Uh, you know, you've been to Asia. You go to Australia. You've been all over New Zealand. I've already said New Zealand. But um, are you? Are, does, it, does it naturally have to change a little bit when that, when that discipline comes? Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, I mean, for me personally, too, it's like also just trying to balance it a little better than I have. Like this year is already packed, but trying to say like, okay, here's the time that I'm away and and not trying to stack trips on trips on trips. Because like there's so many times for years where I'd be like, go get home. Like I would never even unpack a bag and like roll out on the next one. So I'm trying to like stagger it where it's like if I'm gone a week, I'm home a week or whatever, you know. And then there's obviously exceptions during the fall when it gets really busy. But um, like I didn't go to New Zealand this year and that was my choice. Like just it's too much having new baby and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I, you know, we have we've still done other trips out at hunting this year and going to Hawaii here pretty soon. Um, so we've got other trips and then the family comes on a lot of stuff too. So they're going to go to Hawaii with us, with me. And then, um, yeah, like New Zealand, we took my daughter to New Zealand. She was not even a year. Let's see. She was like a year, little over a year old. No, not even a year old. That's some big confidence on that plane ride. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like our kids travel really good. We just did a, yesterday we just got back from a 14 hour road trip and like not even a peep. They just love it. Like we'll get out, we'll play in a park. My daughter will be like, okay, car. And we just get back in the car and cruise. But we've been doing it since like my son's now three months old, four months old, I guess. And, uh, I mean, they, we've been traveling with them since they were born. And so they just don't know any better. And they actually like, my daughter just loves it. She'll get in the car and we'll do 15, 18 hour road trips. No problem. Really? Yeah. Like on the plane, she did great on the plane. It was just like, not a big deal. What are you hunting in Hawaii? Axis deer. Who are you filming that for? Uh, Matthews. Oh, it's archery hunt. Yep. Yeah. And speaking of archery, you drew a very coveted archery desert bighorn sheep. Oh, tag. yeah. That I'm really excited about. Big sheep in that area. Um, yeah, there can be. You know, I think like for me, it's I'm art, I'm bow hunting, so I'm not necessarily looking for the biggest sheep on the mountain. Like if a if a good mature ram presents itself in a in a stockable spot, I'm not going to pass it up. 
but um yeah i definitely want to get one with my bow and i know it can be difficult so there are there is the potential for a really good one but also like i don't it's an earlier season so it could be good it could be i just have never been in those units that early so i really don't know what the sheep are doing to be honest when do you start scouting for that and how much time do you spend scouting and are you doing it diy yeah i think so um i don't know i I might end up talking to some guys that I know that do some guy to me just to help with some scouting or whatever, because it would be nice to have a good bead on like a, a good Ram. And the trouble with me is like, if I, I say like, Oh yeah, I, I don't have to find the biggest and the whatever. But if I find a really big Ram, then I'll probably obsess over it. <laughs> like I'll probably try to kill that Ram and, and good chance that I will, because <laughs> when you focus on one, then you have a lot better chance at it. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm going to go. I'm planning on starting scouting here in like next week. And then um, I'll kind of scout throughout my it's hard because like I don't have a lot of holes in the schedule. So I'm probably just going to like bring a vehicle down there, leave it down there and then I can fly in and out or whatever. It's cheaper to fly down to Vegas than to drive oh, from yeah. Reno, you know, so For sure. then I can just like pop in, grab the truck, uh, scout, go back. I'll set up some cameras, but the area I have doesn't necessarily have a lot of um there's a lot of places that they can drink so setting up trail cameras is not super beneficial it can be a little bit beneficial just to understand like oh this ram's in here then it gives you an idea like more i'm more scouting just to learn the area and then build a picture of like what types of rams are in there and then i'll do a lot of glassing too what um kind of terrain is it is it out what's the altitude what's the highest peak in the in the unit um i mean it's it's like that broken uh southern nevada so broken shell yeah it's like those really you know most of those mountains down there are formed by tectonic plate pushes and they're so they're super steep and then you get like really broken really steep and then like it'll be a lot of washes because then whatever water did get in the rains it washes out so it's like canyon 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 big steep stuff big steep stuff big washes pretty dry pretty desolate um yeah rough country for sure how many tags for this archery hunt one one yep so there won't be anybody in there nope got the area to myself and that's one of the that's cool i'm really how glad. did you draw one tag how did I, you get I had that? a i had a fair amount of points how many uh not a lot but is I it unfair to you remy that i had 27 desert sheep points nine antelope points and eight mule deer points and i did not draw one tag and i wanted to hunt this year no nope. is that not unfair no it's not unfair how i'm a because native nevada remy yeah but uh i it's where you put in i could probably look at where you put in and be like yeah of course you didn't draw because you're probably putting in for really hard to draw rifle tags right I still got 27 points. It doesn't matter. The points don't even matter. Like, you got it. You have to play the game. You have to find the holes in the, like... But I, I want to hunt where I my dad showed had, me how to hunt. Right. But I need, I mean, I knew I had, like, a 33% chance of drawing or, or better. Really? Yeah. I wasn't trying to interrupt you, but I've been a little bit bitter yeah. when I got my unsuccessful, unsuccessful, unsuccessful. And I only put in for points for the other ones. Yeah. But I really wanted to shoot an antelope or a mule deer or a desert sheep this year. I wanted to hunt one at least. Yeah. Then you got to switch up like where you're hunting, what you're hunting with. I mean, that's why I started bow hunting was so I could draw tags. You know, Do you, you got to play the game. I know, but I will. I love rifle hunting. Right. Well, I, so mean, I just got to. I can't yeah. pitch then. No. Or, I mean, like, there's places I could guarantee you would draw a tag with your points, right? And you just got to, like, me, I would rather draw tags than than have a bunch of points. But, I mean, there's states that I have a bunch of points in, too. Utah, I've got same, like, 25 points or something like that. And don't draw because the areas I put in for, essentially, it's just like a random draw. But you kind of have to like every year you know i look at it and go like okay where can i realistically draw and then i order my i mean i spend a lot of time like researching looking at all the units sometimes i'll even like find areas that don't have that i know i could draw and go scout them out ahead of time because it's like oh it's easy to draw but it's a harder hunt um you know i put a lot of time into that so i actually draw tags are you in great shape right now are you in sheep shape right now no not right now <laughs> what does that there. look like for you as far as far as you said you might start scouting next week will you go down there and assess the terrain and how tough it is and then judge your nutrition and fitness plan on that no i mean i've got i i've just got to get in shape for the season because normally i stay in shape because i just am always hunting i'll be guiding i would have been in the field a lot but this year like with the new baby i haven't been out as much 
and just been doing more office work. So I really noticed it's like, oh man, my physical ability. It doesn't take me long to snap back into it, but I've just been starting. Um, uh, there's a company called Mountain Tough, and they've got like it's just training specific for hunters. They do a really good job about it. So I do their program, plus I add in like extra a bunch of extra cardio. So like this morning, got up, did like a half hour of cardio, you know, eating shakes and stuff for breakfast. We'll what kind of cardio? Shakes. Uh, I did a bike this morning. Like an arm bike or just a regular bike? No, like just a regular bike. So this is just legs moving Red with bike. your your arms are just on just handlebars? Like. Yeah. Mostly I just crank it to like the highest thing and just try to push for like 30 minutes. Yeah. You know? It's That's like hard. walking through snow. Yeah, it's actually a Peloton bike. So I that thing, I dude, I, I'll puke after that every time because of that leaderboard thing. I've got like a competitive streak where I can't be like, even if I haven't done it, I haven't done it for a while and I get on it and it's like, Oh, there's someone's beating me or I have to be in like, it's, it's so hard to get on the top of that thing. Like yeah. you, you just have to crank it as hard as possible and just push. And like, so it's good motivation for me. Do you do any weights? Uh, yeah, mostly body weight stuff. I, right now, like I, I still only have one arm essentially, so um, a lot of push ups and like that kind of thing I can't really do right now. Um, so yeah, that's tough. A lot of planks though when you can, and a yep. lot of body weight. Yeah. So a mutual friend of Just ours, Mike March Marchese, yep, is married to my first cousin, Christy Belding. Yeah. Now Christy Marchese, they sent me a video last night of them on national wine day drinking red wine and preparing antelope steaks for the grill i don't know if they were backstraps they didn't look like backstraps christy makes a comment in the video that it's the best big game meat in her opinion she also lays out how you can mess it up because of the heat yeah taking too many pictures drinking too many beers to celebrate all the stuff that we do or that i've witnessed during antelope season in 98 degrees in august in northern nevada um, would you agree with her though? Is it even a little bit good, or do you love antelope steak? If if as long as you know where it came from, that it was taken care of the right way, is goat yeah. good to eat? Yeah, I've had. Re- I mean, antelope's really good. I really like it. Um, I would say it's in the top. Like elk's really good, but honestly, this year we had elk and antelope side by side, and the antelope won. I don't know. My wife shot one archery season this year, or last season, and. uh See, so, yeah, I think it's some of the best. I've never had a bad pronghorn. And there's people that say they've had, it's like the worst. It's like really gamey, right? Yeah. And I imagine like sometimes you get up to a, a pronghorn and like the, they have that certain smell. And I guess sometimes like, but I don't know what you'd have to do to it to make it bad. I've shot them during the rut. I've shot them early season, late season. I've never had a bad one. And there's like, that's quite a few antelopes. So it has everything to do with infield prep, right? Like I would think getting so. it done, right? Yeah, just getting the hide off and getting whatever. it on ice. Yeah. I don't know what you like. I imagine if you had like a gut shot one in a hundred degree day that you just left in the back of your truck all day and got dusty and dirty and disgusting, it probably tastes dusty and dirty and disgusting. I want to protect my eyes, and that's exactly where one of our badass partners comes in. Oakley, Oakley Eyewear, the Oakley culture, the Oakley lifestyle. Protect your vision when you're shooting, when you're fishing. Nothing worse than getting a hook in the eye with somebody casting on the same boat. You just can't take it for granted. The damage the sun can cause, the rays, the UV, just keeping the dust and the dirt out of your eyes, just everything during a hunt, pit blind, boat blind, it doesn't matter, sun up, they make different lenses for different skies. Oakley standard issue, I just love the entire story and culture of Oakley Eyewear. They're iconic. They're sold all over the world and they support the military and the blue line and conservation and hunting and fishing in the outdoors and living off the land and we never hunt without our Oakley. But when I'm shooting consistently on the trap range or the sporting clays or the skeet or the five stand or I'm in a duck hunt or a goose hunt, I have my Oakleys with me at all time. I put them in my banded backpack. I have them in an Oakley hard case. I keep them protected. The prism lenses everything that goes in to the technology behind the oakley brand and the frames the function of them all of the different lenses that you can get and the way they protect our eyes the technology is second to none you got to get a pair of oakley's i know there's a lot of choices out there when you want to protect your eyes there's a lot of choices when it comes to being a customer of a eyewear company but remember please support the brands that support this lifestyle oakley the official eyewear of the foul life tv the foul life podcast and everything we do here at the provider and where the pavement ends thank you so much for supporting oakley do you actually live the lifestyle that you portray 
in today's world of so much fakeness on the social media stuff, yeah, it's easy to do it for the camera and then not really make fruit roll-ups and not really make your own sausage and your own. Do you do it as constantly as you proclaim you as you say you do, or do you ever find yourself of like getting tired of that type of lifestyle? I hope that makes sense because yeah. it's a lot of work. It's the most rewarding. But and I'm just asking because we do it a ton here. We eat while we're gonna eat wild game tacos today. We're constantly doing it. But I got a team to help me, and I know that you probably do too. Do you live it the way that you exp- that you showcase it, or do you sometimes have to just put it away and go get a pizza? Uh, no, I mean, like I actually, I think it's funny. Like some people show what they do more than they do it. And I actually do you agree with me though? Do you agree oh, yeah. that they do? Like, I mean, I show what I do. What you see me do is probably one percent of what I do. To be honest, like it's every day. Um, yeah, I mean, we. I mean, well, I'll eat pizza or other things. Like if we go out, I'm not so strict that I I don't. But like in our house, we pretty much it's all wild game meat for sure. So. And a lot of stuff that we, I mean, you know, go through batch. I try to do like a lot of the sausage and that kind of stuff is like in batches, you know, like three, four or five times a year. So, you know, I hate cleaning the stuff. So I just do it in big batches. So I like freeze it. Like right now we're running low on like some chorizo and other stuff. So then I'll just go through and make the next batch, especially right before the season. Do a lot of summer sausage, a lot of jerky, um, a lot of other sausages just for, you know, have it mixed up and then a lot of whole cuts that I'll do whatever with later. Normally like I'll butcher things in like big pieces so I can do whatever with it. I can do like right now tonight, oh, tomorrow night we're having some El Casada and I just do it out of like, you know, whole like freeze the sirloins pretty whole thin slice it. I've got you know, marinate it and then just El Casada. Made that the other day. It's so good. Do you Most eat it with people, tortillas? Yeah. Tortillas God, for sure. stuff is so good. I want yeah. some. Yeah. Can you freeze some and give me some sauce? I want to try it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. We've done it before, but I have a ton of geese. We can maybe trade a little meat, but let's let's do a, a processing day again. Yeah. I'm just done. just schedule it and then have a crew here that is cleaning while we're cooking and we just get it all done. Yeah, you tell me that I don't have to clean it. I'm perfect. Sweet. I know I'm I can't. <laughs> it's like it's not hard. No, it's not hard, but it's like, you know, you, it, you it's just a process. Honestly, though, the, like the meat made with meat stuff is good because it's all dishwasherable like back in the day when you couldn't dishwasher anything or whatever it made it really tough bad tough and then the stuff wasn't that good either so it'd take you forever sometimes though like during the season when we're guiding i don't have time i might not have time to butcher an elk so i'll just drop it off at the processor that i know is really good like there's one that we use for our outfit that does all our stuff so if i shoot an elk like on the weekend when we're guiding i'll bring it there and they do a good job with it but i just still have them do it my way of like big pieces and then throughout the year defrost and do my own stuff later and of course the tongue oh yeah that's still your favorite part of the elk i think so yeah when was the last time you ate tongue um end of hunting season last year when you go to places like louis and restaurants like that do you order the tongue automatically yeah if it's available for sure isn't it so good so good why do people have a mystique that you can eat the cheeks of uh you can eat literally you can eat cheeks of animals it's and it's normal in a lot of places like a sushi restaurant it's normal to eat cheeks um you can eat a steak like in the brisket like right in the belly of a cow they find that that's like that's normal with all that fat around it but it's not normal to eat the lining around the stomach called tripe and it's not normal to eat the 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 glands the what's the gland the sweet reds yeah thymus gland the thymus gland it's not normal to eat that stuff but we've like made it normal to eat all of these other parts of an animal and we've been conditioned to think that that's normal but then when you mention like oh we're going to eat a bite of tongue people like get grossed out and i'm like i don't get that like like i i took some people from georgia the other day to louis we went to the aces game i haven't been to an aces game for five years i bet and i went to louis and i got them sweetbreads and they're like well what is this and i'm like it's the thymus clamp no way we ain't trying it and i'm like i promise you'll love it they loved it yeah but why is it you think that we it, we've been conditioned that we can eat a flank steak or we can eat ribs like bone bone ribs and just gnaw on them like mountain men. But we can't we, we have oh, a yeah. condition that we can't eat this other stuff. I don't know. 
Yeah, that's one thing. Like I always, that's how I always get the sweet breads and the white wine sauce, mushroom wine sauce. That's oh, the one you get. God. So good. It's like one of the best things. Or the yeah, the mushroom gravy. Like it's one of the best things you can eat. And I've had I've taken people there and be like, here. I was like, you'd probably don't want me to tell you where they are, but just get them. They'll get them. And they'll be like, what is it? And then they're like, oh, <laughs> they're like sick afterwards. And I'm like, well, but it was really good before you knew, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, my <laughs> so, mom's notorious for that. Yeah. You trick her, and she's just chowing down on duck, and then you tell her it's, you know, you told her it's steak to get her to eat it. And then when she finds out it's duck, she, all of a sudden it's terrible. And I'm like, it's the weirdest mindset. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I agree with you. Sweetbreads are hard to beat. We've done them here on cold smoke, you oh, know, yeah. on a Traeger and cold smoke them, and then flash fry them. God, dude, are they freaking good. Like, you know, have you ever bought your own and done your own? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. Butcher Boy used to sell them. I don't know if they still do. When they the, remember the old butcher boy on yeah, Rock, yeah. they used to sell sweetbreads. Really? <clears throat> what What do you think right now is? Do you think this whole ideology of living off the land is going to continue to get, to gain momentum, or have you seen it slow down a little bit with COVID ending and restaurants opening back up? Do you still see the same hype and the same? rush to to live off the land and know where your food comes from and all of that hmm i don't know i mean i don't think it'll go away i think that there's definitely people still interested i run into people all the time that are actually we were uh, just down in southern california this last weekend and like random people that were like oh, i really want to get into hunting and if, you know there's just there's constantly the people that are intrigued by it and i think just for various reasons everybody's got their own reasons but i definitely think covid and lockdowns and all that kind of boosted it back up but the other thing i think it boosted was just like hunter reparticipation guys that maybe hunted when they're a kid and then didn't do it for whatever reason for a long time now it's like hey i got a bunch of time on my hand i, I would like to get back into that that sounds, seems cool yeah i agree i think that a lot of people got back into it and they were looking for a lot of people were looking for mentors to take them out and i think yep. that the food part of it was an easy way to get people jacked up when you know when people had less food or beef available to them for sure during the pandemic it was easy to show them what you could do with a wild turkey or yeah. a sheep or whatever what do you enjoy eating wild sheep oh yeah i like wild sheep so good there's no real wild gamey that i don't like to be honest uh i don't really like canada goose that's probably the only one that i don't really like hmm have you had it done in many different ways? I've had it done a hundred thousand different ways. Can I cook it for you one time? I've had it. I just don't really. I mean, like, I'll make it into chorizo and other things. There's ways that I do like it. But Let me make it for like, you without adding one bit of pork. Nothing. No additions. Yeah, I, go ahead. Game on. I've I've had there's I the ones in New Zealand I like because they don't they aren't as I don't know there's just something about the flavor of goose I'm not a big fan of but. It's probably my least favorite. I it, still it is. eat it's, it. It's but not the best. It's not the best. Like I've done a lot. Like I've made goose pastrami. I've done everything with Canada goose. The only thing that I really like out of it really is chorizo. I like. Uh, I make like asabuco with the goose legs. That's some of the like. I say that, but then there's certain ways that you can make it, and it's like really good. So yeah. I mean, I, I'll make like I call it goose abuco. Like I make asabuco with the goose, and it's actually really good. But out of just like a straight cut of meat not my favorite but and I don't, that I don't, and like feral billy goats not my favorite you would eat a feral billy goat i have and they aren't that great have you eaten coyote i have and definitely terrible <laughs> why would you eat it why would i eat the coyote yeah i don't know just to see what it was like do you enjoy mountain lion yeah mountain lion's pretty good do you have to slow cook it and eat it like that Mm, I've had it a lot of different ways. I like it slow. I mean, it's like a, it tastes like pork. Any way that I'd cook pork, I'd cook mountain lion. I'd When's like the next time shells. you think you'll chase a lion with dogs? Mm, I don't know. Just whenever I get the opportunity, probably this year, next year. You love it? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I like the I like watching the dogs work. I like seeing what cats do. It's fun to kind of trail them and whatever, you know. Uh, I don't know. I think it's fun. Yeah, I think that watching the dogs work but those those cats are so majestic i mean yeah. unless you have a, a, a really good knowledge of what they do yeah they are an old they are a badass predator like they're beautiful and 
when you get them in the tree, like that's like that's the hunt for me. Yeah, you know I've done it and I've killed them, but I don't know if necessarily like I am t- all about predator management. I just don't know if I need to necessarily kill a bunch more cougars. Yeah. But I do want to manage and I want them killed and, and kept in you know check. You got to because for sure. I mean they destroy the populations of. Oh yeah, they're 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 heavy handed on the mule deer population for sure, and they don't eat leftovers. No, so they really will just bury it and leave. Yeah, a lot of them like. In Montana, what we, I, I've actually witnessed it, where a lion will kill something, it was an elk in this particular instance, and then wolves came in and chased it off, and then the lion will just go and kill. Like, they can kill whenever they want. They're whenever very they good want. at it. They're super efficient. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, very – I found a lot of – like, just following lion tracks, you find a lot of dead deer and other – you know, like deadheads and other stuff. Find some cool stuff. And they take down some pretty – I mean, I've seen a lion kill on, like, a bull elk. And just big, crazy. And yeah. big Mustang horses here. Oh, yeah. Remember there was yep. that one called the, the horse killer that was in the pine nuts. Yeah. I've actually chased some cats off of horses. Not, I mean, didn't shoot them or anything, but just chased them off horses, like work the dogs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big cougar fan. Not that I don't believe that they need to be managed. Yeah. I hate when it's hard. It's like I'm a huge coyote fan. And it, the first thing people say about coyotes is F a coyote. And I hate that ideology of like, they, they should be so respected for the way that we've built into their land and they do need to be managed, oh, but yeah. that's it. You know, like there's this huge disrespect in my opinion for predators. And I think that they're misunderstood a bunch because they are a badass animal. Yeah. There's I, some cool predators out there, but I definitely think they need to be managed. So oh God. They need to be managed like crazy predators. They need to be managed like crazy. Yeah. I'll go out and call 20 coyotes in and kill all 20 of them. I'm not saying that I'm not a coyote killer. I'm not. I'm just saying that I don't like them. When I got a huge amount of respect for them. Yeah. I don't just, I don't look at a coyote and be like, F a coyote, I'm going to kill that thing. You know, I look at it like, I want to strategize on how to kill, become a better coyote killer. Right. Because they're good hunters. Yeah, for they're sure. They're smart. They're savvy. They say the number one predator in the world for kill ratio. Do you have any guess? The times they go out and hunt to the times they kill and eat, they've ranked them. And they say that the wild dog of Africa is number one. Hmm. They say coyotes four or five, I think. I feel like a a hawk would be the number one. Like how many times does a hawk go to try to – like they kill something every time it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. They were – They like took birds I wonder if this this count was just mammals. Could be, yeah, because hawks are pretty dang – like – Birds of prey, very efficient. Yeah, these wild dogs are almost like ninety nine percent that they kill when they hunt. That's but cool. God, they kill in packs. Yeah, I thought wolves would be way up there, but they don't kill as much as I thought they did. No, because they need the animals to run, and if the animal doesn't run, they have a trouble like actually killing it. So they'll go in and they'll try to intimidate, but sometimes the animal won't run and they'll just back out. Really. Yeah. You mean as far as like the chase goes? Yeah, they like wolves kill by chasing, so they'll like they they go and they try to like rile the animal up. Once one freaks out and runs away, that's when they get it. That's what because it fills yeah. up with lactic acid and has to lay down and rest, and then they get no, it. No, because they can attack it from the back, and they, it's like that they don't risk getting injured as much. Like if a bison decides to fight the wolves, the wolves are like, ah, eh, not worth the risk. We'll get one that runs away. Really? Yeah. They need to have a runner. Generally, yeah, ninety nine percent of the time, I think. Where did you learn that at? Uh, when I was doing that Apex Predator show, I did a lot of research on wolves. Really? Yeah. Do you miss that show? Um, no, not really. No. I mean, think you'll ever bring it back? Doubt it. Do you have anything in the works for TV right now? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, like we've got a bunch of new series that we're doing on YouTube and other stuff. But if we wanted to put it on TV, I guess I'd be fine with it. Um, but I don't have anything specifically for it. Give me an example. Can you let one out of the bag? Uh, or are they all still in the bag? No, I mean, just, just essentially hunts and other things, you know, and then going through some old stuff that I filmed there. I've actually have like hard drives upon hard drives of like, I've got an entire TV show that we never ended up making <laughs> like filmed and ready to roll. It's actually really good too. We might edit that up and put that out and some other stuff. That'd be cool. Yeah. It's cool looking back at old footage and seeing. Really cool. Yeah. Like, I like mean, what hundreds you, of hunts that just like I forgot about. And yeah. I not necessarily forgot about, but a lot of stuff while I was guiding or taking friends or family or whatever. Some really cool stuff. 
I enjoy it. I like going back and except the part about aging, you know, yeah. aging doesn't bother me except when you see yourself on TV. Oh man, I used to look a lot better. <laughs> the other thing is you don't realize how fast things have changed. I, I watched uh, my buddy Joe had, did, drew a sheep tag. I think it was only like 10 years ago. And I, I edit, we edited the video and put it out last week. And uh, it was funny because the things that strike you is like the clothes, like mix match camo of all different kinds. Um, paper maps, looking over paper map. Nobody owns a paper map anymore. Nobody just like knows the, how to read them anymore. Right. Like just the little things of gear and other stuff that you look at and you go like, wow, this looks really old. And it's like, it doesn't seem that long ago. Just 10 years ago, we were doing things so different than we are now. So different. So different. And they were still killing big sheep and big deer. Yeah. Big deer. Yep. And now it's like you got to have every single piece of camo matching with your face mask and your gloves. And it, tomorrow we're going to have the same exact suit, but different different pattern. It's going to all match. And it's crazy how the mindset has changed. But we've been conditioned to do it. We've yeah. And I mean, some of the stuff, too, you look at it, you're like, well, you're a lot more comfortable now. Way <laughs> like, more comfortable. Yeah, the gear is like way better. That's the thing about the golden years of hunting is that, dude, you talk to old timers, they're like, Dude, we froze our ass off. We had oh, yeah. we had rubber boots and blue jeans on. You know, we couldn't sit in the stand for more than an hour. We you couldn't go waterfowl hunting. I mean, you were freezing your ass off, and like things have changed big oh, time. Yeah. And I mean, kids being out, women being out, men being able to stay comfortable. The 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 technology, the breathability, the 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 waterproofness, the windproofness. I mean, it's almost like you know what we've done is we've tried to like really mimic the mountain climbing. You know, the the guys at, that really mastered the apparel for all of the different levels of mountain climbing yeah. and like climbing Everest. That's that's what we wanted to do is, with Bandit is kind of be the elite waterfowl gear that could get, you know, like preseason, midseason, all, you know, early season, midseason, late season. Yeah. And be comfortable the whole time. Yeah. And I think that that's what technology has done now is that. But in your opinion, do you think hunting's better than it's ever been right now? Or do you think that because you can go onto an app and know every single thing about a mountain range, that it gives us too much of an advantage and that it actually hurts hunting because it's too easy? I mean, it does give it a lot of advantage. But when you really look at things, I mean, now, now is really the heyday of it. You look at like the amount of records being broken in the last... 15 years and it's insane uh, world record dog broke and broke and broke and broke and mule deer they just you know world record velvet mule deer with a bow was just taken this last year there's just some really big like if you're talking about big animals or whatever now's kind of the time now i don't know maybe if you went back you know 50 years ago and had the equipment that we have now or hunted in the style that we do now i think just hunters are much more efficient so maybe that plays into it too but i also think that there is some wins for you know big animals being out there right now there's there's a lot to be said for that so you're saying that through hunters sweat equity and conservation efforts were at a great time in hunting because the animal populations are healthy yeah and i think and a combination of that and like the the bonus of the type of equipment that we can use helps us be more efficient at hunting which allows maybe like good optics right everybody can get into a pair of good optics a lot like when i was a kid i remember the binoculars that i had were the best we could get and i actually got ruptured blood vessels in my eyes like from the eye strain being so bad trying to look through these things and you couldn't really like you couldn't really see much through them, right? You were missing a lot of stuff. You'd look through them all day and you, you're missing a lot of stuff, but having good optics and like good spotting scopes and being able to like feel judge an animal and go, Oh, okay. I'm looking for this and having that information and all that stuff has led to bigger animals being taken. I mean, really now is like the, the heyday. This is, yeah. I mean, of course, for, like, if you're looking for like, if you're just talking about big mature animals, like how many giant well, especially in whitetails, right? Like just the amount of information and like process and the way people are hunting and what's out there now compared to what people were taking. There's a lot, of course, you know, back in the day, there's big animals taken too, and maybe a lot didn't get recorded. You know, no. I'm saying today though, you could say the same thing. There's a, I know of a lot of big animals that have never been recorded in any record book. With the ability to have these optics and these rifles and these, 
the barrels and the the constrictions, the ammunition. Is it okay to shoot an elk at a thousand yards? I mean, I don't know. Be honest with me, Remy Warren, because I watch it on TV and I I don't respect it and I don't agree with it, but it's being showcased that that it's okay to shoot a coyote at 900 yards when their vitals are this big. Yeah. And you're, the chances of crippling an animal are through the roof. Is this long-range gunning good? Now, targets have at it, but is it good for hunting? I don't know. I mean, probably not in a lot of ways, you know, but it also depends on, like, I always think of it like this. There's a lot of people that I have guided that might or, or have run into and them shooting at an animal at 150 yards is more likely to wound something than me shooting at an animal at 800 yards right like that's absolutely a fact there are people out there that so it's like well what is at, and i think it just depends on the person the equipment the situation and all of that so it really depends like i mean i've shot animals at 500 600 i think for maybe 700 yards and in those situations those are ethical shots for me to take now somebody else maybe not but then there's also people who are like they shouldn't even be shooting at an animal at 50 yards right because they'll but like things happen you know so i just think that it, it's very situational you can't just blanket state like but i mean personally i i think i like to get close to animals i like to sneak in when i have a rifle i'm not trying to shoot things far i mean i've done that in the past and and now i've kind of like okay i did that and now I'm moving on to like, now I have a rifle and I want to get a hundred yards or less. And it's fun for me. So it just depends on your like personal ethics and other things. But I think it, it would be important to look at the ethics behind it and your ability and the situation, a lot of things. And in most cases, it's just going to say, if you're the type of person that could take that shot, then you're the type of person that could get closer, get closer because that's the hunting portion. Like you kind of, it just becomes kind of shooting or whatever it's at some distances. So it's like, just get into hunting a little you know hunt it a little more so i'm, I'm kind of hearing you say that i'm putting words in your mouth and you can agree or you can't agree the intimacy is important yeah hunting is hunting and it's getting close because you have this high powered equipment now i still say it's not okay to shoot at an animal that far even though you might be studied up on targets you might be proficient with it but is it really hunting and did you really do your job as a hunter to only get a thousand yards from an animal now again is it situational because of the 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 lay of the land and the canyons and you're across from one and is it situational or is it ethical do ethics come in it because are you really hunting if you can only get within a thousand yards 900 yards of an animal right yeah no i mean i agree with that like i'm a big proponent of getting as close as possible so in my mind when i'm hunting i get as close as possible you know some of the things though that i don't like to do is just you know you get all this it's like i'm a bow hunter i don't shoot a crossbow but if somebody's hunting with a crossbow and it's legal in that season no whatever. infighting I just, stop the infighting yeah i'm just kind of sick of it it's like i don't really care what other people do but you just have to have now i i do care in the instance of like it needs to be ethical so in your instance yeah i mean i don't shoot at elk at a thousand yards i think it's unethical i wouldn't shoot at an elk at a thousand yards if i see an elk at a thousand yards i can always get closer or i can try to get closer and if the elk gets away the elk gets away you know so like just kind of getting back to the this is hunting this is what hunting is about and i think that i feel like some of that stuff has kind of run its course because it was like very novel and like whoa this is new and then, and then all this stuff came out for it and people could figure it out and it became accessible and i, I don't know i kind of personally maybe i'm just out of the loop no maybe bit, i think you're right because i just it, kind of feel like people are over it and they understand like yeah that that was a thing and now it's it's kind of shifted back honestly that's my maybe i'm just Maybe that's just me not really being. No, I think you could be onto something much, there. But I feel like you know, I feel like it's kind of run its course a little bit, and and like what hunting is, and you know, the challenge of hunting. Oh, the challenges in the shot. It's like, well, not really. I mean, the technology and whatever anybody can hit. Honestly, anybody can hit a plate at a thousand yards now. It's not hard. No, it's super easy. I mean, anybody can do it, but not anybody can sneak within 300 yards of an elk or whatever. I kind of like 300 yards is like kind of my range. I shoot everything pretty much 200 or less with a rifle. 
what if you who what if your tag that you talked to the audience about with your sheep this year was a rifle tag you see what you feel judged is 185 inch ram now let's just say 175 inch desert ram that's a big desert ram oh yeah what's the farthest shot you would feel that you would ethically take at that ram uh, and I know your mindset's to get as close as possible, but let's just put the situation out there that maybe it's the last couple days of the season and you haven't really been able to get on him yet, but all of a sudden he presents himself. Probably 450. 450. Yeah. See, that's interesting because I've heard of a lot of sheep shots at seven, eight, nine hundred yards. Yeah, I wouldn't shoot at a sheep personally at that far. I like, I know I could get closer. <laughs> like, that's, I wouldn't be too worried about that. I know that I could get within that 450. So you can get closer. Yeah. You can always get closer. You can always get closer. I mean, I would probably shoot him under 300 for sure. Under what? Under 300. Yeah. But just like that's the fun part of it, like the stock portion of it, the excitement of it. That's where it really gets Are you going to have cameras following you on the sheep hunt? Uh, Yeah, I will. That's going to make it even tougher. Very tough. Now, are you going to do your own filming like you used, like you've done? Self-filmed. Self-filmed? No. Are you over that? Is that around its course or do you still do it? No, I still do it. Yeah. Um, It was a little bit harder. Like I just had, I actually did a lot of filming with my phone and other stuff, but I did because I, I mean, I wasn't able to use my right hand for a while. So running the cameras was tough, but I actually self-filmed quite a few hunts with the mouth tab bow. That's cool. Yeah. And then I had other people filming some too. And where so. can we see those? On my YouTube channel, Remy Warren, at Remy Warren, whatever. And how's the podcast going? Good. Really good. How often are you doing it? Weekly. Uh, week Every Thursday is a new episode. And then we I do like five episodes a month. So now I'm starting to do a few bonus episodes because some week months only have four weeks and some have five. So um, throwing in a few bonus episodes in there on Tuesdays, uh, like one bonus episode a month. Are you having any guests on at all? Um, yeah, I'm, st- I'm going to start having a few guests. In studio or Zoom? Um, yeah, not Zoom, but something similar online something so something similar of yeah maybe rumble no it's called uh what's it called riverside riverside yeah it, it does i mean it's just the quality is a lot better really yeah because it, re- it records their stuff like straight to their computer so then it's like the highest quality and then uploads it instead of like trying to capture that streaming because i don't have good internet so it makes it difficult riverside you taught me something do you mind if i look into it yeah go for it I think I might even get a, like a, a kickback if you uh, say that I recommended you. <laughs> I really will. No, I think it's like actually a, a, a ready worn really code. No, I don't. <laughs> I just found it through somebody. I went on someone's podcast and they had it, and then I started looking into it, and then I ended up doing like two podcasts in a week that were using it, and so I got a, a got it, and it's been awesome so far. Riverside. Yeah. All right. So you were a little late today. Yeah. You were running late because isn't it a bitch, this traffic to get out here? It it's is. like not even, it's not even worth talking about Dude, because uh, I get anxiety about it. I didn't know. It's insane. Like, I mean, when's, it's been a year at least since I've been out here. Maybe not even a year. Dude, this growth out here. It's there's no nuts. infrastructure. There's no infrastructure, Remy. Dude, it's one road and you, I'm looking at all the houses that they're building and it is absolutely insane. And then put on top of that, that all this construction is going on and then you have distribution out here north of us that all these big rigs are coming in and out that's then you got all these dump trucks and cement trucks and 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 belly dumps and all this shit going on with all this construction and all these little race cars are going in now then you got the high school kids trying to get to the school dude it is nuts it's nuts i don't know how they can allow it with that it's a two lane like no divider road and i was i thought i was in some kind of like convoy <laughs> like yeah. i was boxed in Wait between till you go home dirt truck yeah you're right it was like a dirt truck uh some kind of distribution truck <laughs> then there was like a cement truck i was i was what is going on it's, out it's here? not even funny how dangerous it's it is. wait till you're going southbound and you start climbing that last hill before you drop into reno yeah you're climbing that last hill i guarantee you that you think you're going to get in a head-on collision like it's so it's so, it was raining like a sunbitch yesterday and I was going to the gym and, I, and I'm a good driver. I mean, I drive all over the freaking country and dude, I was in the other lane with, a, it just led me right into it. There's like, it's crazy how unprepared we are with our infrastructure in yeah. this part of the in this part of the city and all over the city, really. But the growth out here is they're saying 8,000 homes 
in the next five years. It's insane. And there's no road. They're just saying, oh, we're going to widen it a little bit. Well, how long is that going to take? Two years, really? In the next two years, there's going to be even more homes being right. built. Like, I was looking where they were building some of that, and I was like, they should have been building a, a freeway there instead of... Well, you remember 10, 15 years ago, it was on the docket. Yeah. The, it was called the Pyramid Bypass. It would have been perfect, but they shot it down. And now it's okay to put... You know, it's always that mindset. Like, well, I was here first. This is my land. Well, I don't have that mindset. But I have been living out here for 20 years. And... It used to be enjoyable. I'm not saying that you or anybody that you know doesn't have the right to move out here. That's yeah. stupid. But at least protect us. At least have it safe. At least have a hospital. At right. least have a police. There's not even a police station. You know how many police guys are out here? There's maybe one for this whole valley. You get away with murder. Like, it's nuts out here. I talk to cops. I'm like, how many people are How many people are on patrol out there? They tell me. I'm like, like it's crazy. They don't. It's not even manned. Yeah. It's like a free-for-all. Yeah. And then all of a away. sudden right here, all of this traffic bottlenecks going northbound. You go another 100 yards past my turn, it bottlenecks into single lane going out the Pyramid Lake to yeah. Windmuck Ranch Road. When you're going southbound, think of all this traffic comes over that hill and it bottlenecks onto Pyramid going in the, all those stoplights there. Yeah. Like how to get to the freeway, you got to bottleneck into just Pyramid. Which is full of stoplights. It's like, what were we thinking? Stoplights, crosswalks. Crosswalks. That's what I was just going to say. You got to actually slam. You're in the right lane and somebody wants to pull into the ATM at Wells Fargo. It'll, there'll be nine fender benders because people are still trying. They're so conditioned to get to that freeway that they're, they're, it's, it's impossible. So they're trying to maneuver however they can. Yeah. It's nuts, dude. So that's what I'm saying. Like people are like, I'll have a barbecue and they're like, nah, we'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pass. We just hit us up when you want to go to dinner in Reno. It's, just, it's, it's nice and quiet at night out here, but I dread going into town yeah. and then coming back out here. And it's hard because I don't want to bitch. If I want to bitch, I got to make changes. I got to get on the city council. I got to do all this stuff, but I don't have time. All I'm saying is that I pay my property taxes. I'm a voter. Why can't we do this? Why didn't we do this right? Why is this okay? You said just yourself. You're like, I can't believe they're allowing it. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's not cool. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, you get me on. I left an hour before. It took me an hour to get here. And you live in Pleasant Valley. I live. Yeah, out toward there. Yeah. Dude, it's my daughter lives in Demonte Ranch, and it's a good forty minutes just to Demonte. It's crazy. It's not cool. No. And it's not safe. If my daughter, my daughter's twelve. If she was turning 16 right now, I would not let her drive in this valley. Hmm. I'd let her drive like down there maybe on on, on Damani, that part of town, maybe. But out here, I would not let her drive this Pyramid Highway. Yeah. It's not safe for a 16-year-old. No. And there's a lot of high school kids driving it right now, dude. Hmm. There's a high school right here. Yeah. They got to get there somehow. It's crazy. And it's Pyramid Highway anyway. That's the great Remy Warren. Where can we find the podcast? Uh, anywhere podcasts are found. And we're starting to do a few uh, video podcasts on my YouTube channel. Nice. But yeah, just search Live Wild with Remy Warren. So will these video podcasts just be us looking at you or are you editing them with actual like B-roll of yeah, the hunt you're talking about? Oh, that's as cool. As little of me as possible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of B-roll, a lot of like stuff from stories that I'm talking about be playing in the background and some stuff like that. Just because some people like watching them, some I get, people like listening to them. But for the most part, I mean, the main place people listen to them is just wherever they get their podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, pod bean what else what am i missing all right i'm getting ready to cook for soundcloud. soundcloud is it soundcloud apple spotify, spotify pandora um there's a few other ones google go on and just amazon google amazon yeah all those <laughs> they're everywhere everywhere i like podcasts i don't yeah. listen to a lot of them either though no I'm too critical I, i'm critical of mine i'm critical of everybody's you know so i just but if it's a, if it's a cool topic and i get wind of it i'll i'll go check it out i do now here's some, i do like comedy podcasts like tom segura oh yeah and, and the, i like like i like laughing those guys are sometimes i wish i could be like that but with our customer base and our spawn you know like in the hunting arena you gotta be careful you can't just go on there and talk about anything but those guys talk about everything. Right. You know what I'm talking about? The oh, yeah. Tom and what's his name? Burt Kreischer. The guy. Is he yeah. funny to you? The guy that takes his shirt off all the time? Burt yeah, Kreischer? he is pretty funny. He's pretty clever. He's witty. Yeah, I want to see that movie that he did, The Machine. The Machine. Looks pretty good. Yeah, those, uh, Tom Segura moved to Austin after Rogan did, I guess. Hmm. He's living there. I'm getting ready to cook for Remy Warren. Tacos today. We're going to have speck with skin on strip tacos. 
snow goose ground that you helped us do with the great David Wise. Elk butt burger that's really good. And American almond beef. So four different types of meat. Nice. So you'll have to have about eight tacos. I'm down. I'm hungry. We'll have Remy Warren back on the podcast and he can tell you how these tacos were. Thank you, Remy. Any closing words? Nope. Just look just look for his podcast and his YouTube channel at Remy Warren. And it's at Live Wild. Uh yeah, there's no social media for it. Just you can find my social media handle. But yeah, Live Wild Podcast. Just Live Wild Podcast and then at Remy Warren is all the social media. Yep. Check it out. He's one of the best there is. Good luck, Remy, on this sheep hunt. Thank you. I do want some back straps. I do it. want some of the goose that you're going to make or, or some of the elk that you're getting ready to make. And I also want to do our processing day and grinding day. Perfect. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Fat Life Podcast. That's a great one, Remy Warren. Thank you to all of our partners and sponsors. In the meantime, listen to the song My Fat Life by the band 2AM Logic. Mm-hmm.